0: So we're carrying on our sermon series in um, Philippians. And um, so our reading today is Philippians 1, verses 19, to the end of the chapter, and that can be found on page 1178 of the Church Bibles, if they're coming around now. Thank you. So page 1178, Philippians 1, going from verse 19. Just to give us a run-in. So it says... Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm and now hear that I still have. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Okay, let me just check, how are we doing in terms of my, the microphone? Is that, is that working? Can we hear? Okay, great. Do wave if I, if I drop off. I mean, I'm not gonna drop off, fall asleep, but you know, if the sound drops off, give me a wave. Okay, so. To die or not to die, that is the question, or at least that's Paul's question, and he's determined that whether through his life or death, Christ will be exalted. Paul encourages his readers to live in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, and I'm sure Many of us here would desire to live in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, and I suspect, to a lesser or greater extent, we struggle to live in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So today, um, I hope that we'll find some insights in that passage that will help us at least to move towards living in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, living lives which please God and which point other people towards Jesus. Uh, Just in case, during the reading, anyone was concerned about this, let me just um, address this. Paul isn't talking in this passage about choosing to end his life. He's not talking about suicide here. Um, He's aware, he's in prison, he's aware that he may be put to death, and he's wondering, Would it be better for him to be put to death or to carry on in ministry? And maybe he's even trying to discern what God's will for him is in this situation. But he's certainly not wondering or not whether he might end his life. That's not what's going on. So today I'd like us to focus in on verse uh, 21, which says, For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I know normally a a good sermon has a three-point alliterated plan. I'm sorry, folks, you've got neither of those things today. We're going to take it nice and simply. We're going to take it just in two parts. We'll think about to live is Christ, and then to die is gain. So, to live is Christ. First of all, I want us to think about what Paul doesn't say He doesn't say, to live is me with a sprinkling of Jesus. To live is to achieve my own goals, to work towards my own comfort, my own security and glory. While I am living and breathing, it's all about me. He's also not saying, to live is a timeshare. Jesus gets Sunday and the rest of the week is mine. I wonder whether you've ever had an interest or a hobby that captivates you and consumes your time, energy, and attention. This might not come as a massive surprise to you, but as a teenager, I was a bit of a geek. Oh, no, honest. Um, Now, uh, my particular interest slash obsession was a film called Memphis Belle which was about a Second World War bomber. And I think we've got a slide here to show her in all her glory. There we are. Um, So this film was like a gateway drug into all Second World War aircraft and World War II more broadly, and I really was quite obsessed. so, my bedroom ceiling as a teenager was covered in airfix kits hanging from the ceiling. There were dogfights going on over my bed. I was constantly planning and plotting when I might get to the next air show, especially the air shows that had Sally B, who's the B 17, playing Memphis Bell in the film. I had the cardboard cutout uh, of the film from Blockbuster. We, we begged that from them. I, I know no shame when it comes to B 17s. Um, I had, the, I had the book and I would read it from start to finish and when I got to the end of the book, I'd start at the beginning again. I'd work my way through. I would listen to the soundtrack constantly on cassette, on cassette. I had the video, I had the t-shirt, the badge, the jacket, the whole caboodle. I lived and breathed this. You could say that at the time for me to live was Memphis Bell. Memphis Belle. So to live is Christ, it means something radical, doesn't it? To live is all Christ, to live is all for Christ, all about Christ, all before Christ, and all with Christ. It means all out surrender to Jesus. To live is Christ, so to work is Christ, to socialize is Christ, to spend time with my family, to rest, to go shopping is all Christ. No reserving parts of our life for ourselves. Paul talks about something similar in Galatians 2.20, another one of his letters and he says there, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I think that helps us to understand a little bit about what Paul's trying to get at when he says, for me to live is Christ. This is no longer my life, it's no longer me calling the shots. This life I live belongs to Christ. He lives in me. He's the one directing my steps. It can't be to live is me because my sinful nature, my self seeking, that's the me which has been crucified with Christ. That's the bit that no longer lives, but instead Christ lives in me. Therefore, to live really is Christ. The life going on in me is Jesus. I wonder whether any of you remember the World War II drama, Band of Brothers. I think we've got another another slide for this. I recognize that using this as my next illustration really just proves my previous point about my obsession with the Second World War. But um, this is a drama that followed the men of Easy Company as they um, parachuted into enemy territory in preparation for D-Day. And there's a point in the drama a week or so after they've landed, and uh, one, of the, one of the very new, inexperienced soldiers, um, Blythe, he tells one of the experienced captains that when they first landed, he hid in a ditch rather than finding his unit. And Spears, the officer, is very experienced, hardened soldier, and, uh, and he says this to Blythe. Now, As I read this, you need to try to imagine a deep, gravelly, American accent, which I'm definitely not going to be able to pull off. But um, he says, You hid in that ditch because you think there's still hope. But Blythe, the only hope you have is to accept that you're already dead. The sooner you accept that, the sooner you'll be able to function as a soldier is supposed to function. Tough words from Spears there. Of course, as Christians, we know there is hope, but that hope isn't for the survival of our self-seeking. So we could rework that speech to say this. Christian, maybe you're having difficulties in your walk with God because you think there's still hope. Hope of living with your sinful nature, feeding your desires, getting what you want, plus a bit of Jesus on the side. But Christian, the only hope you have is to accept you're already dead. Your sinful nature was nailed to the cross. You are no longer the captain of your life. The sooner you accept that, the sooner you'll be able to function as a Christian is supposed to function. I wonder whether perhaps we're a bit undecided about who is really living our life. Am I in charge? Am I calling the shots? Or is Christ living in me? Now that's not to say that if you are a real Christian you never mess up because of course we know that we do mess up regularly. And when we do, we can draw near to our merciful God who is faithful to forgive and cleanse and restore us. But I think it is fair to say that as Christians, we should see our sinful nature as dead or daily being put to death Jesus tells us to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and follow him. Have the third slide up, please. When Christ calls us, the invitation is that while we go on living in our body, we are to die to our self-seeking, as teacher and theologian Bonhoeffer puts it. When Christ calls us, he bids us come and die. Paul reflects that it's better for him to go on living because he can serve the church and the purposes of God. It's all about Jesus, isn't it? And when we think about that type of living, that way of living, we might be running through the very great list of losses that there might be but let's think for a moment about what some of the gains might be to live is Christ Christ who is the very best that all of heaven and earth has to offer the ultimate there is no better nothing compares to Christ Christ in me That's life, isn't it? Christ in me. Imagine spending the rest of your life reveling in the wonder that is union with Christ. Waking up every morning and thinking, wow, Christ lives in me. He's constantly there in his beauty, his gentleness, his warmth, his compassion, his kindness amazing to live is Christ let's move on and think about the second part of that verse to die is gain we might struggle to understand this we might we might be able to understand that to die is gain if living is really painful lots of suffering real struggle But what about if life is fairly okay, or even good? How do we understand that to die is gain then? Well, I think we find the answer in verse 23, which says, I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. Being with Christ is better by far. I remember years and years ago being in a home group where we were thinking about the story of Mary and Martha. You remember that Jesus comes to their house and Martha is busy getting everything ready for Jesus. She wants to be a great hostess and Mary is just sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to him. And Jesus says that Mary has chosen what is better when she chooses to sit at his feet. And I remember our home group having a a quite heated discussion and feeling that this was pretty unfair because Martha was, after all, just trying to do well by Jesus. And it was quite a heated discussion. But I think underlying all of those things that we talked about, my suspicion is that we just didn't quite believe that Mary had chosen what was better, that being with Jesus really was the better thing. Do we believe that Jesus really is better by far? Do we value Jesus as he deserves to be valued? Do we treasure him? Do we adore him? Are we devoted to him? Perhaps all we can say is that we want to treasure Jesus like that. Maybe the best we can say is that we want to, want to treasure Jesus like that. And we can't muster this stuff, can we can't work it up in our own strength. But we can regularly come to God and ask that he would work in us, change us, mould us so that we do treasure Christ in that way. When we think about dying, I think Christians find a great sense of hope and comfort in the idea of heaven. But I do wonder if sometimes our idea of heaven has been shaped by a secular, optimistic, but not necessarily biblical idea of heaven. This idea of um, paradise as a pleasant place to be, but not for any particular reason. The passage I often turn to when I'm thinking about the new heavens and earth is Revelation 21. And verse four says, he, that's God, will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. And that's something really beautiful, isn't it? Really beautiful. But if that's our primary hope, for the future, then we're missing out on the best bit. And the best bit is in the previous verse, verse three of of, uh, Revelation 21, which says, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Paul sees dying as preferable because he wants to be with Christ. When we move towards this way of treasuring Christ, of adoring Christ, when we look ahead to death, we will see nothing of greater value than being able to be with Jesus. Tim Keller, when he um, was in his last few days of life, said, There is no downside for me leaving, not in the slightest. There's no downside for me leaving, not in the slightest. If we don't value Christ like that in life, when we approach death, it will seem like defeat. To die is gain. That isn't just theoretical. This is what faithful Christians, and especially martyrs, have been living out century by century. Not that we should actively go seeking after death, But if we value Christ in this way as our ultimate treasure, when our time comes to face death, it is possible to see it as gain. Because it means being with Christ, who is better by far. Picture this Christ is better by far because of his mercy. Remember the woman caught in adultery and the mercy she encountered from Jesus when he dealt with the baying crowd who wanted to stone her. Christ is better by far because of his compassion. Remember the hungry crowds and how Jesus was moved with compassion and fed thousands of people with a few loaves and fish. Christ is better by far because of his welcome. Think of the many times he invited people to draw near to him. Anyone, children, tax collectors, women in prostitution. He's better by far because of his power. Remember the way the storm was calmed at his direction. He's better by far. Because of his willingness to suffer for us. Think of how earnestly he prayed at Gethsemane, yet he still prayed, Not my will, but yours be done. He's better by far because of his sacrificial love, so undeserved, yet utterly sublime for the sinner who will receive it. That love so clearly displayed in pain and vulnerability, without dignity, arms outstretched on the cross. Love for us. Will you say yes to that love? Will you allow Christ to be your life? to see your sinful nature as nailed to the cross, to see yourself crucified with Christ and welcome Christ to live and reign in you? Will you make the arena of your affections a place he is welcome, a place dedicated to him? Will you meditate often on his beauty, his majesty, his love? Will you revel in the opportunity to live in union with Christ? If we can say yes, perhaps we can grow in a way of living which is worthy of the gospel of Christ, a way of living which exalts him, which pleases him, which glorifies and delights him. And surely there is no better way to live than devoted to delighting the heart of the one who truly is better by far. Let's pray. Lord, we bring ourselves to you in all our brokenness, all our messiness. And we say, Lord, we need you. Come work in us, we pray. Cause us to treasure you as we should Help us to understand in new and fresh ways what we have when we have relationship with you. Lord, let it be true for us that to live is Christ and to die is gain. Help us to set our hearts and our minds on you and to pursue you with all we have. Do a powerful work in us, we pray, Lord, we can't do this by ourselves. Have your way in us, in Jesus name. Amen.